So today we are wrapping our short uh, teaching series called Money Talks, where we're looking at some of Jesus's most famous conversations that he had in the scriptures about money. And Jesus had a lot of conversations about money. Now, I know that when, when you hear that we're going to be talking about money in church, some of you are immediately skeptical and thinking, why did I bring a friend this week? I totally get it. The church has kind of a questionable rep- representation, a rep- rep- um, a reputation, rather, the church as a whole, when it comes to money, and preachers in particular. Uh, the story is told of, of a barber in a small town who was feeling particularly generous. Uh, one day, the local sheriff walked in, and the barber said, you know what, I'm so thankful for how you keep our community safe. Today, the haircut's on me. Next morning, barber came to the barber shop, and there were a dozen donuts waiting for him. Local florist walks in, Barber's still feeling generous, and he says, you know what, I'm so thankful for how much beauty you add to our community. You go around planting flowers all over the place. Today, the haircut is on me. The next day, a dozen flowers waiting for the barber. In walks the local preacher. The barber's feeling generous. He says, I'm so thankful, preacher, for the spiritual care that you provide to our community. Today's haircut is on me. Wow. The next day, he shows up to the shop. A dozen preachers are waiting for him. I understand that when it comes to the church and money and preachers talking about it, that you might have a little bit of baggage, a little bit of skepticism. I get that. Just do what you can to set that aside for the next 20 minutes or so, all right? What I really want us to wrestle with is a simple question today. The simple question is this. Why aren't I more generous? Why aren't I more generous? In particular, why aren't I more generous with my money? Uh, specifically, why aren't I more generous to the things that God has told me he cares about? Uh, like the, the mission of his local church, uh, places like this where the believers bring in their first and best, we call it a tithe, we bring it in, we give it to God for his work here in the local church, but also to the needs of our neighbors, which God says is what life is all about, meeting the needs of the people around us, the people that we love. Why aren't I more generous towards the things of God? That's the question we're wrestling with. And it's a question stirred up by the the poor widow woman that we heard in today's reading just a few moments ago. Apparently, Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, is hanging out around the temple at Passover. And Passover in Jerusalem, to say the least, was a very, very big deal. Hundreds of thousands of people would come from miles around to the temple to celebrate Passover. And one of the things that most of them did is they would stop by the temple and they would give their offering. There was this little section in the temple with different boxes and people would drop their offering in the box that they wanted their offering to be dedicated to. And Jesus apparently wanted to do some people watching because in the Gospel of Mark it says that Jesus purposely sat near the offering area and he was watching people and what they dropped in the offering. And we are left with the impression that some people made a really big deal out of what they gave. In particular, it was some of the rich people who were giving. They would roll up with their brand new, you know, Tesla cyber truck and their $600 sneakers, and they would say, look how generous I am, and they would drop a bunch of coins into the coffers, and some people were impressed with the massive amount that they dropped in. But Jesus, notably, was not impressed. Now, he was floored by somebody's generosity, but it wasn't the generosity of the wealthy. It was this widow woman who walked in, and she gave less than one quarter of one penny, virtually nothing. But it was all that she had to live on, and that level of generosity floored Jesus. Listen again to what Mark says. This is Jesus speaking. 
Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, more than everybody combined. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus pulls his disciples together and he says, who's more generous, the rich guy who gave riches and was still rich? Or the poor widow who gave virtually nothing, but it was everything to her? And of course, the answer is the poor widow. She's more generous. Now, now the point of this little section is, is not that, that you should give until you've got nothing left, that you should just live on rice and beans for the rest of your life. That, that's not the point of this. The point of this is that Jesus is giving us an insight into how he calculates and measures generosity. We're getting a glimpse into, into Jesus' heart and mind, into how he calculates generosity. Jesus does not measure generosity based on how much is given out. Jesus measures generosity based on how much is left over. Jesus does not measure generosity based on how much is given out by the giver, but by how much is left over for the giver. You see, you and I, we think of generosity, we think of the amount that goes out. But for Jesus, that's a false measurement because you could give a ton and have it really cost you nothing depending on your situation, right? You see, generosity that doesn't involve sacrifice, generosity that doesn't involve any kind of deep personal reflection in order to give, it doesn't alter your lifestyle in any measurable way whatsoever, isn't really generosity, Jesus doesn't measure generosity the way that we do, which means we need to alter our original question to reflect more of what we understand now about Jesus. Our original question was, why aren't I more generous? Well, let's ask that question in light of how Jesus measures generosity, okay? The better question is this, why aren't I, living, why aren't I willing to live on a bit less in order to give more? Why is it difficult for me to live on a bit less in order to be more generous? If Jesus measures generosity not by what's given out, but what's left over, why is it so hard for me to live on a bit less in order to give more? That's the question that has us digging deep into our hearts and really wrestling around and addressing our concerns and our fears, and that's right where Jesus wants us. That makes me think of the story of a man named Charles Feeney, in January of 1997, a mystery was solved that had been boggling minds for about a decade or so. For about a decade, somebody had been giving away millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Checks would just roll into universities and social service organizations, um, and no one knew where it came from or how they could ask for more. The check just came in, it was typically, it was typically um, some kind of anonymous check with a note attached to it that said, the giver wishes to remain anonymous. But it turns out that the person giving millions upon millions of dollars, seemingly at random, was this man named Charles Feeney. He was a successful, very, very successful businessman. And the reason it was discovered that it was him is because Forbes was putting together its list of the richest 400 people in the United States. And as they were putting together their list, they went to reconcile uh, and double-check all of their math, and they found out that Feeney was worth only 1% of what they thought he should have been worth. And it's because he'd been giving almost all of it away. To date, today, Feeney is still alive. He's given away about $8 billion. 
99% of his net worth. He lives in a rented apartment in San Francisco. He owns no car. He has about $2 million in liquid assets, which is still a, a nice little nest egg. But considering that you've made billions upon billions in your life, and no one really knows why he does this, he rarely gives interviews. One just must assume that he has a different view on wealth and treasure and life than the vast majority of people. That is generosity. Now, the question for you and I is this. Why would someone want to grow in this kind of generosity? Uh, the kind of generosity that measures not what you give out, but by what you are willing to leave with yourself, by what you are willing to go without. Why would someone want to do this? I've got three reasons for you, all of which could be a standalone sermon on their own, but I'm going to be quick, okay? The first reason that you should wrestle with this and, and try to grow in this is because God commands it. God commands it. Simply put, this is right out, of the, right out of the gate for those who are followers of Jesus, and I get that you may not be one of those here today. If so, you're kind of exempt from this. Go, go to Target and have fun. <laughs> but for followers of Jesus, the, the primary reason we wrestle with this is because God commands it. He tells us to. Over and over, God says, my people will be sacrificial. They will be generous in a way that floors Jesus. Just for example, uh, this is Paul speaking in 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this, As for the rich in this present age, and do not count yourself out from that, if you're sitting in this room, chances are you are rich in this present age. Compare yourself to the rest of the world. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They, you, me, are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous with our riches and ready to share. We give first and foremost simply because God commands us to and we love him. Secondly, we give we seek to grow in our generosity in the way Jesus measures generosity because we know it will grow us. Over and over again in the scriptures, um, God ties sacrificial giving with personal development. Not necessarily development of your own bank account. There are other preachers that you can go to for that. I'm not going to say that. But development of your faith and of your character. Proverbs chapter 11, just for example. A generous soul will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Think about it. The kind of generosity that floors Jesus, it takes unbelievable trust. It takes deep humility. And that kind of trust, that kind of humility will stretch your faith, and it will forge deep character in you. I mean, think about the people in this world whose faith and whose character you admire. You look at them, and no matter your age, you say, man, I want to be like them when I grow up. Odds are that the people who have faith and character that you admire have endured things that most people try to avoid, like pain and suffering and sacrifice. That's how faith and character are grown. We seek to do this because we know it will grow us. Third, we seek to do this because the local church needs it, and the local church is the hope of the world. God has decided to do his miraculous work in this world through local churches like this one and million others just like us. God has said, I have no body on this earth but my body of believers. 
which means it's you and me taking whatever God has given to us, and we, we band it together, and we seek to make his power and his presence known in this world. It, it's up to us. We are the body of Christ in this world. And in case you've ever doubted it, I need you to know that, that the local church is the brightest light that is shining in this broken and sad world. And not just because we preach the gospel, as if that wasn't enough, but because no one has cared for more sick, no one has healed more poor, no one has helped more orphans, no one has transformed more inmates, no one has founded more universities, no one has started more hospitals, no one has married more young, buried more dead, comforted more grieving than the local church. It's a diehard fact, it can't be disputed, and we are not even close to being done. The local church is the hope of a hurting world. That's why the people who are in the church give. That's why. Now that said, let's circle back to our big question. Why aren't you and I more generous? Why aren't I willing to live on less in order to give a little more? Is it because of fear? I'm afraid of going without. It's an understandable fear. Is it because of comfort? It's usually what it is for me. I like my life the way it is. Thank you very much. Or perhaps it's just because ignorance. And I don't mean saying, like, you're dumb or I'm dumb. I'm saying, like, ignorance of the very question. Like, maybe this is the first time that, that anyone has ever pressed you to wrestle with this virtue of biblical generosity. You've, you've just never really had to wrestle with that question before. What is it? Why aren't you and I more generous? I don't know what it is for you, but, but I know how you and I can continue to grow in this. How you and I can continue to grow in this if you desire to grow. If you want to grow in generosity the way Jesus measures generosity, the first thing is you grow in grace. And what I mean by that is that you grow in your appreciation of just how extravagantly, awesomely generous God is to you each moment of every day. That there are millions of blessings and gifts, starting with the breath in your lungs that we fail to appreciate. You grow in your appreciation of those little things, those big things, and the best thing, which is the fact that he forgives every single thing you've ever done or ever will do. You are constantly walking around in mountains of mercy. And you grow in that grace by relentlessly confessing your issues and hearing him absolve you over and over and over again, saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I love you. You grow in grace by developing a habit of gratitude whereby you, you experience any little blessing and you immediately look up and say, thank you. Short line at Starbucks, thank you. The smell of new shoes, thank you. Kids who weren't bratty today, thank you. A coworker who helped me out, thank you. Show me someone who, show me a follower of Jesus who refuses to be generous with what he has, and I will show you someone who fails to appreciate all he's been given. We grow in grace. Second thing, we train our hearts. We train our hearts. If you, want to, if you want to feel more generous in the way that Jesus measures generosity, start, start being and acting more generous. Now, I'm not saying that you should go around faking it, because God loves a cheerful giver, not a phony giver. 
What I'm saying is this, that the feelings of our heart are most affected by the habits of our hands. If you want to feel and be more generous, start acting as if you are the generous person you would like to be and watch what happens. Because your desire will drift towards where your dollars are spent. Your desire will drift towards where your dollars are spent. Jesus puts it like this, where your treasure is, there is your heart. We see this with our kids. So for example, you start paying for college tuition. And your kids go to a school that you didn't go to. You didn't graduate from this school. But your treasure goes there. Your dollars and your daughters all go to AM. And so guess what happens? You start wearing one of those cheesy maroon t-shirts that say, I'm a proud Aggie dad. And then you start cheering for whatever it is they call football on Saturday afternoons. And all of a sudden, you didn't go to that school, but your treasure goes to that school. Your daughters and your dollars. And so all of a sudden, you're like, yay, Aggies, or whatever they say. <laughs> because where your treasure is, there is your heart. If you want to be a more generous person, little by little, start acting as if you are that generous person and watch what happens, I dare you. Your delight will follow your dollars. It always does. I've got another one for you. You start today. Every command in the scriptures to give is a present tense command. You never hear the scriptures say, hey, sometime in the future when it works for you, figure out what it means to be generous. No, in the scriptures you hear words like this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse now. Determine today what your gift will be. You, you hear things like, um, um, uh, Paul says, give today, give cheerfully, give sacrificially. Here's what I know. If, if you wait until you're ready, you will always wait. The scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse today. Respond to the needs of your neighbor when your neighbor presents the need. If you wait until you're ready, you will always wait. We start today. We start today. And that's my ask for those of you who are followers of Jesus and part of the St. Mark family. My ask for you is that you would take these conversations we've had over the last two weeks and you would take them home with you today and that you would have a conversation with the people that you love and you would wrestle with this question, why aren't we more generous? Maybe you already are really generous, or maybe you've been hoarding everything to yourself. It's a question everybody can ask. Why aren't I more generous? What stops us from living on a bit less in order to give a little bit more to the work of God and to the needs of others? Wrestle with that question. And, and for many of you, the answer to that question is going to be simply beginning the habit of a biblical tithe. Rather than giving here and there or whenever the spirit moves or whenever the guilt meter gets like untenable, you, you set aside, as, as Paul tells us, a proportionate, regular, sacrificial gift and you begin giving that regularly out of the, as the first and best of what God has given to you. That's where you begin. It, it never ceases to amaze me the number of people who've grown up in the church yet who've never had a really honest conversation about this biblical value of sacrificial giving. That has to end. And some people in our church are far too comfortable with the idea of other people. Other people tithe. Other people give. Other people serve. Let me let you in on a little secret. There are no other people. They don't exist. It's just you and it's me. It's just us. 
This is our calling. This is our church. This is our home. It reminds me of a story told about the great preacher uh, Charles Spurgeon. He was invited to go to a, uh, a small church somewhere that had a big debt that needed to pay off. And one of the members of that church said, hey, we'll invite Spurgeon to come to our church. He'll attract a big crowd. All the people who've been away from church for a while, they'll come back to hear Spurgeon, and then we'll be able to take up a big offering and pay off our debt. And so he personally invited Charles Spurgeon to come to his church to help them pay off their debt. And he wrote him a letter, and in the letter he said, while you're in town with us preaching at the church, helping us to pay off our debt, you, you, you have the pleasure to stay at one of my homes. You can stay at my country home, you can stay at my city home, or you can stay at my seaside home. And Charles Spurgeon wrote him back and he said, uh, I have to decline your offer and here's why. You are a member of the family of God. Sell one of your homes and pay your debt yourself. There is no other. It's us. Why aren't I more generous? Why is it so hard for me to live on a little bit less in order to give a little bit more to my neighbor or to God's work? Why why is that so hard for me? Wrestle with that. I firmly believe that there are three types of givers in this world. There are rocks, there are sponges, and there are honeycombs. The rock will give, but you have to hit it hard, and even then it's just a brief spark. The sponge will give, but you have to hold it tight and wring it out. Then there's the honeycomb. That just oozes everywhere. You ever pull a honeycomb out? There's no way to not get it on your hands and on your clothes and all over you because it's just oozing forth beautiful things. Friends, that's who you are. If you're here as a baptized follower of Jesus, you have been filled to the overflow with the mercy and the grace and the love of God that you cannot lose and every other blessing besides. You are overflowing and may the blessings God has given to you not have to be hit in order to be given, not have to be wrung out in order to be experienced. May they flow freely from you into the hands of your friends and your family and your church and your community so that no one can leave your presence without having something of you on them. (laughs) May we grow in our generosity. May we give not what we want, but all that we can because we know all that we've been given. Let's pray.